This is edition number 1290 of the Wyndham and Nuttleborough Talking Newspaper for 16th of February. Hello, I'm Anne and I'm pleased to welcome you to the latest edition of your news and information service. The editor is Tony, the sound technician is Lee and the administration was done by Chris. The recording will be followed by an interview with Peter Stewart, the editor of the Heatherset Herald, to mark the 100th edition of the online community publication. The items you'll hear have been taken from the Wyndham and Attleboro Mercury, Eastern Daily Press, Norwich Evening News, Dis Express, Wyndham Magazine, the Heatherset Herald and the Fawnset Flyer. Your other readers are Adrienne and Amanda, and the first item will be read by Adrienne. Hello. Meeting ends in disarray after Councillor's resignation speech is muted. It was meant to be his final bow after almost a decade of public service, but Tony Holden's valedictory speech as a Wyndham Town Councillor did not quite go as he had hoped, He was cut off within seconds by the mayor and chairwoman, Suzanne Nury-Nixon, after he started criticising the running of the council. Despite his attempts to continue speaking without the microphone, the meeting quickly fell into disarray. It was then suspended altogether by Ms Nury-Nixon before she decided to resume it by speaking over Mr Holden. He finally gave up attempting to give his speech and headed out of the council chamber. The furor has prompted a row at the town council, with the chairwoman defending her decision to stop Mr Holden from speaking, saying she was preventing verbal attacks. However, others have said he was unfairly silenced. Mr Holden was the town's last remaining Conservative member after the party lost control of the council to the Liberal Democrats last May when ten of its councillors were voted out. Standing to explain his departure, the former mayor expressed his pride at some of his achievements during his tenure before then taking aim at the clerk, who he believes has too great an influence over the remaining members. He said... For nine years I have been a member of this council, and although I have not seen eye to eye with fellow councillors, I think I have served the people of Wyndham with energy, enthusiasm, and to the best of my ability. But I am also saddened, saddened to see this administration allow itself to be so willingly led by the clerk. It was at this point, thirty seconds in, that Ms Newry Nixon interjected, saying, I think I'd better cut you off there. If you carry on, I will have to suspend the meeting. To which Mr Holden answered, Well, suspend it then. This led to confusion among attendees who began to walk out while Mr Holden continued to read his resignation speech from a piece of paper, adding, You have achieved nothing. Ms Newry Nixon then decided to resume with the meeting, speaking over the outgoing councillor as he proceeded to finish his statement before asking him to please keep quiet while I speak, thank you very much. After this, Mr Holden walked out of the meeting before the public was then excluded as discussions moved to confidential matters, although there was some confusion among members as to whether this was done through the correct procedure. Following the debacle, Miss Nury Nixon laughed loudly and said, Oh my goodness. 
The Liberal Democrat District Councillor has since said it was no secret that Mr Holden did not see eye to eye with the clerk. I had to stop the meeting after he began making verbal attacks towards the clerk, she said. As we have a duty of care to our employees, I have to ensure our staff are not attacked publicly in this way, so I felt I had to cut him off. It is believed the fallout followed Mr Holden becoming the sole Conservative Party member at the Council after the dramatic political shift last May. Since the Lib Dems took overall control, Mr Holden has become frustrated with the authorities' direction. The disagreement with the clerk is understood to centre around decisions on how the council spends its money, such as the £1 million fund to make improvements to the town centre. Earlier in the meeting, Mr Holden spoke of his frustrations at the hesitancy of the council to commit to a plan for the project. Mr Holden has declined to comment. Miss Newry Nixon added, As a council, we try and work collaboratively across political divides. It's a shame Mr Holden did not feel like he fitted in. I assume he felt he was not being listened to. But other members of the council feel Mr Holden should have been allowed more time to speak at the meeting and explain his decision to quit. Michael Rosen, a Labour councillor, said, It is disappointing he was not given the chance to explain himself. While I may disagree with his politics... Mr Holden has contributed a lot to the town's governance over the last decade. It's a real shame we did not get an opportunity to thank him. His resignation letter has since been circulated among the remaining members. Following Mr Holden's decision to quit, a by-election will be called for North Wyndham Ward if the position is contested by more than one person. Hello, this is Amanda. After starting in a converted horse box, Coffee Smith's is launching its second permanent shop. Erin Smith, 33, started Coffee Smith's in 2021, serving hot drinks out of a trailer to local markets around his hometown of Wyndham. He then began covering events across Norfolk before getting his first permanent home in North Walsham's marketplace in December 2022. Now he is preparing to open in the old post office in Attleborough Town Centre, which closed in November 2016, but reopened as a Big C charity shop until the end of 2022. Mr Smith has been in the coffee business for over 10 years, rising up to an area manager of a high street chain before moving out of corporate life and starting a new adventure. He said, I want to keep everything as local as possible and be part of the community. We have our own blend of coffee that comes from a roaster in Coltershall and brownies and cookies from Eat with Ella in Norwich. Having only got the keys a few weeks ago, work is underway and an opening planned towards the end of the month. Trains run again more than a day after derailment. Train services have resumed in Norfolk after they were blocked for more than 24 hours after a train derailed. An East Midlands railway train derailed between Thetford and Harling Road. 31 passengers, a guard and a driver were reportedly on the train at the time. It is believed the train, which was travelling between Liverpool Lime Street and Norwich, remained upright. Inspections were carried out on the train after its front window and wheels were severely damaged, blocking the line between Norwich and Ely.
Greater Anglia advised people not to travel due to the cancellations. One person suffered a minor injury in the incident, but did not require hospital treatment. An engineer said everyone on board had a very lucky escape. A renowned garden centre in Norfolk has been taken on by new owners. Peter Beale's Garden Centre in Attleborough will now be run by commercial growers Bell's Horticultural. The roses grown at the centre are internationally acclaimed and the company has won 28 gold medals at the Chelsea Flower Show over the years. Robert Bell, Managing Director at Bell's Horticultural, said, Our family has a long history of nurturing horticultural treasures and we are committed to preserving and enhancing the image that makes Peter Beale's roses so special. It's a true honour to be entrusted with the stewardship of this brand that means so much to so many. The garden centre in London Road went up for sale with Christian Co. at a guide price of £1,450,000 in June last year. In 2019, the centre had a £750,000 development to create its Rosarium restaurant with a modern kitchen and space for 80 people. Mr Bell said he would carry forward the legacy of the business while maintaining its integral elements, including the garden centre, rose garden and breeding programme. Crash victim named at opening of inquest. A man in his 70s who died after crashing his car into a tree has been named after an inquest opened into his death. Peter Thomas died of traumatic injuries following a crash off Melton Road near Wyndham. He was 72. An inquest into his death opened at Norfolk Coroner's Court in County Hall. During the short hearing, area coroner Yvonne Blake confirmed that Mr Thomas was born in Bethnal Green in London but lived in Heatherset. The court heard Mr Thomas, who was a retired builder, died as a result of multiple traumatic injuries he suffered in the collision. The incident happened at 11.41am on Monday, January the 22nd, when the red Seat Ibiza, being driven by Mr Thomas, careered off the road and crashed into a tree. Mrs Blake adjourned the hearing for a full inquest, which is due to be held on Monday, August the 5th at 2pm. Grazie and Jake's coffee shop to open in Wyndham. A woman who lost her husband in a motorcycle crash is opening a new coffee shop to try and empower young widows. Jake Medler, 36, from Wickerwood, died when his motorcycle collided with a car in Salhouse in September. His wife, Sophie Medler, has now teamed up with her younger brother, Jack Sampson, to open Grazie and Jake's, a quirky and contemporary space where younger people can come together for a good time, no matter what might be going on in their private lives. The mother of three, 38, worked as a property manager in Wyndham for 12 years until she lost her husband. I only lost Jake five months ago, she said. I had three months signed off work, but when it was time to go back, I just couldn't go back to my old routine without him. I don't want to seem like I'm fine and it's all fine because it's really not fine. But when you're grieving, there are two options. You can either fall into a pit of Pinot Grigio and Doritos 
or you can get up and try and move. I've definitely been on both sides because there's no middle ground, but I think if I stop now, I'll go straight back into the pit. I'm still in the depths of my grief, but I've found this venture to be the thing that has given me some positive focus. Mrs Medler added that although Gracie and Jake's won't be a totally dark and morbid place, she wants other young widows to feel that they can come to the cafe to find some solace during their own healing journeys. In the worst moments, I desperately wanted to meet people my age who had been through this, she added. You don't ever hear about young widows whose husbands have been taken away from them. I want others to have what I didn't have, someone to listen and show them they need to walk through the flames because, like in that old children's book, they can't go around them. Gracie and Jake's will be filled with fun and quirky props, including a phone box and plenty of spots to take photos with friends for Instagram. The venue will be open in Ayton House in Wyndham and is set to launch in mid-March. A head teacher has pledged to put his school at the heart of its community as he looks to build on its reputation. Having taken up the role at Tackleston Primary Academy, Andrew Phoenix said he was keen to foster an atmosphere where children enjoy their education. Mr Phoenix, who will fulfil the same role at Morley Primary School, with both being part of the St Bennett's Multi-Academy Trust, spoke of his joy at taking up the post. I am delighted to join the trust of these two popular Church of England primary academies, he said. I'm looking forward to working with staff, children, parents and the local communities as I lead the schools on the next step of their journey. Since qualifying in 1995, Mr Phoenix has been a primary school head teacher for the last 13 years and has a wealth of experience having taught across all age groups. I am passionate about making the most of every opportunity for the children through ensuring children's learning is meaningful and enjoyable, relevant to their lives now and in the future, he said. Everyone at both schools has already made me very welcome. There are very good relationships between the staff and the children and between the children themselves. There is a tangible sense of togetherness and care for one another which is evident in the day-to-day life of the schools. My vision is to see them at the heart of their communities with distinctive individual identities within a strong federation with genuine respect, love and compassion at their heart. Richard Cranmer, chief executive of St Bennett's Multi-Academy Trust, said he was confident that both schools would flourish as a result of the appointment. We are delighted with the appointment of Mr Phoenix to two of our schools, he said. He has already gained a real good understanding of both communities and I have no doubt that with his experience and enthusiasm, the children will thrive. Tackleston Primary has 90 pupils and 20 staff and was rated as good in its last Ofsted report in 2018. At the time, the inspector praised the school for wanting the best for pupils, adding... The school provides a happy and vibrant learning environment in which pupils feel safe and well cared for and are encouraged to do their very best. Homeowner wins fight to keep fence. 
a homeowner who was told to take down his harsh and overpowering fence will be allowed to keep it after winning an appeal. Chris Dinage, who lives in Bobbins Way, a cul-de-sac in Swarderston, was hit with enforcement action over his 1.6-metre close-bordered fence and stone-filled pillars. The small community is a short distance south of Norwich and it is known as the birthplace of Norfolk war hero Edith Cavill. A retrospective application was lodged with South Norfolk Council but it was met with objections. Norfolk County Council worried it would impinge driver's view due to its height and asked for it to be set back. The Village Parish Council also objected, calling it harsh and overpowering, a view that the District Council agreed with, who decided to refuse permission on the grounds it was detrimental to the street scene and caused danger to drivers. It led Mr Dinage to fight back against the decision and an appeal was lodged with the Planning Inspectorate. In his appeal, he argued it was similar in style to a number of fences surrounding nearby homes. He also said none of his neighbours had any complaints and that if they had, he would have reduced the size to avoid any upset. After the planning inspectorate reviewed the decision, they concluded that there was not enough evidence to substantiate Norfolk County Council's claim that drivers' views were restricted. In addition, they decided, as there was no uniformity of style and design of the surrounding homes' fencing and borders, the fence did not affect the character of the street scene. Mr Dinage will be allowed to keep his fence after winning the appeal. Baker launches treat shed on her driveway in Norfolk Town. A baker has opened a treat shed on the driveway of her Norfolk home and she is enjoying sweet success. Crispy Crazy was launched in 2022 by former primary school teacher Claire Ives, 39, from Attleborough and she started out making celebration cakes. Mrs Ives said, I've always loved baking and I grew up doing it with my mum Helen whose sponge recipes I still use. I started out making cakes for friends who said I should start selling them and then I branched out into tray bakes. She continues to make custom cakes and she also goes to events across Norfolk with a range of sweet treats including a monthly pitch at Wyndham Farmers Market. She does some wholesale orders including for the Little Park Cafe in Thorpe St Andrew and UK postal delivery of items such as brownies and her signature Rice Crispy Slabs. She has just launched a new arm of the business with a treat shed on her driveway at 18 Bracken Drive in Attleborough. The flavours change regularly, but there will always be brownies, blondies, crispies and cookies, with a vegan option available. Mrs Ives added, I saw people doing similar things with wreaths and eggs and thought it would work well with bakes. Before I opened the treat shed, I had people living locally who would message me if I had anything available for a quick snack fix. It is unmanned, so allows people to come at their own pace and they can pay by cash, PayPal or bank transfer. She will soon be offering some Valentine's Day treats and her dream is to have a bricks and mortar shop. She added... 
The rent is too expensive at the moment, but I would eventually love to have my own shop somewhere in the local area. The Crispy Crazy Treat Shed is open from 8am to 8pm, Thursday to Sunday. A man swimming naked in the middle of Norwich tried to avoid being arrested by throwing cannabis into the river. Tony Barnes, 42, was skinny dipping with friends near Cow Tower when police officers on patrol noticed his stash of drugs among the discarded clothes. Norwich Magistrates Court was told he snatched a cannabis grinder from one of the officers and threw it into the water, but it was later recovered with traces of the drugs still inside. Barnes of Hubbard Close Wyndham pleaded guilty to possession of cannabis and obstructing a police officer over the incident on September the 2nd last year. He also admitted a second charge of possession of cannabis following being involved in a car crash on Boxing Day. Police found drugs after it fell out of his pocket after he had been taken to hospital for his injuries. The court was told. After being told he had one previous drugs offence but had committed no other offences for the past eight years, magistrates made him subject to a conditional discharge. Council hands out up to £10,000 to help new dads. A Norfolk council about to make £52 million worth of cuts has just launched a new scheme offering grants of up to £10,000 to look after the well-being of new fathers. The Norfolk County Council project has been welcomed by campaigners who say some parents can find themselves overwhelmed after the birth of their children, leading to some fathers suffering in silence. But critics may question the spending, which comes as the authority prepares to make £52 million worth of cuts and savings, as well as put up council tax. The hardest hit by the cuts are expected to be disabled people, who are going to have to pay more for their care. The council is also planning to close recycling centres one day a week and introduce booking slots for anyone wishing to visit. The council, however says the scheme, which will be run through its Start for Life and Family Hubs programme, is funded by central government. It will make money available for charities, along with voluntary community and social enterprise groups, which support new dads in their first 1,001 days of fatherhood. The grants, administered by Norfolk Community Foundation, can cover such things as developing social spaces and peer support networks, father-specific antenatal care groups and opportunities for fathers and their infants to take part in activities to strengthen their relationships. Norfolk father Chris Samuels, a member of the Start for Life Parent and Carer panel, said this fund represents a great opportunity to engage dads both with and without their children. Too many fathers feel isolated or overwhelmed without a safe outlet or support network, and far, far too many fathers suffer in silence. I really hope that projects supported by this fund can have a long-lasting impact on the well-being of dads across Norfolk. Penny Carpenter, the Council's Cabinet Member for Children's Services, said, Becoming a parent comes with a lot of new responsibility, which can be a daunting prospect and something that takes a lot of adjusting to. 
In all the excitement of bringing a new baby home, fathers can sometimes get forgotten where needing support is concerned. Specific support for new dads is overdue, and these grants will help organisations support new and expectant fathers to feel empowered, informed, and confident in their new role. Motorist ran over man in car park after row. Court told. A motorist ran over a man in a Norfolk car park following a row between them, a court has been told. Danny Cross, 24, was in his car with a young woman at the Queen's Square car park in Attleborough when he saw the victim. Norwich Crown Court heard the pair had had a previous disagreement and the other man was trying to wind up Cross. Cross turned on his engine before driving at some speed towards the victim who attempted to get on the bonnet as the car came towards him. Daniel O'Donovan, prosecuting, said the victim fell and landed on his back, resulting in Cross running over his leg and ankle. She said Cross had used the vehicle as a weapon in the attack, which happened on September the 27th, 2021. Cross, of Lakeview, Great Ellingham, appeared in court last Wednesday, having previously admitted assault occasioning actual bodily harm. Before the defendant, who was dressed in dark suit and tie, was sentenced, the court heard an extract for a statement from the victim, who was now more anxious when crossing the road than he used to be. He had to miss days on a sports course at college as a result of the injuries he sustained and still had pain in his foot. Recorder Ruth Brander said the victim suffered quite nasty cuts as a result of the incident, but luckily did not suffer more serious injuries like fractures or broken bones. Imposing an 18-month community order, Recorder Brander regarded it as an impulsive act and accepted you weren't deliberately using the car as a highly dangerous weapon. Andrew Oliver, mitigating, said Cross had driven away from the man, but the victim came over and put his hands on the bonnet of the car. He said Cross had not purposely used the car as a weapon and had wanted to get away from the situation, but in doing so caused the injuries to the victim. Mr Oliver said Cross caused the injuries on a reckless basis in what was a very short incident. Cross was also given 15 days rehabilitation activity requirement, RAR, and 100 hours of unpaid work. New Faces join City's Talking Newspaper. Chatterbox, a Norwich-based talking newspaper designed to cater for the blind or visually impaired, has added two new voices to its volunteer crew. Sound recordists Catherine Rose and Anna Johnson have signed up to the long-standing charity project. Catherine Rose, 28, a freelance fashion designer who originally discovered Chatterbox via Voluntary Norfolk, is no stranger to the art of sound mixing. She said, I love to listen to people's stories. Being an autistic woman, there is an assumption of communication difficulties, but I thrive off communication. I'm enjoying talking to other sound recordists at Chatterbox as in between takes we natter a bit. Anna Johnson, an 18-year-old broadcast journalist student at the University of East Anglia, said, When I'm recording, I'm listening to the news and I leave knowing a lot more about the world. I go home and say, Did you know this happened to my boyfriend? 
Chatterbox is great chatty news and I think we need to encourage more young people to listen to it. Alongside their responsibilities in the recording booth, both Catherine and Anna find the opportunity to connect with a diverse audience rewarding. Catherine said, There's such an information overload out there that this level of communication at Chatterbox feels almost like an old-fashioned approach. Chatterbox has also welcomed a new volunteer officer, Julie Benfield, who has just retired from paid work. Julie Benfield keeps busy by coordinating activities, rotors and other information to Chatterbox volunteers. Chatterbox has been delivering recorded news readings to subscribers for more than four decades, thanks to around 100 volunteers who produce its weekly shows. This includes sound recordists, editors, readers and administrators. The charity remains dedicated to providing an invaluable news resource for those unable to read conventional print. Railway Chuffed A popular attraction in Norfolk has been named one of the best trips in the world to transport people back in time. The Mid-Norfolk Railway, MNR, has scooped a place on the Telegraph's list of the 20 best holidays to transport you back to the golden age of rail. The railway runs between Deerham and Wyndham and is renowned for hauling 1950s carriages around the Norfolk countryside using classic examples of British locomotives and steam engines. The MNR also hosts a range of events including its Polar Express at Christmas and Gin Train. The railway has been operating a different route over the past years after a deterioration on the track at Crownthorpe Bridge near Wyndham. Work on the track is set to finish this summer after a fundraising appeal raised more than £40,000. This will allow the full journey to be able to run from the restored Victorian station in Deerham through to Wyndham. Other journeys on the list include the Eurostar Snow Train, the Eastern and Oriental Express and the Deccan Odyssey in India. Memorial Date for Force of Nature, Peter A memorial service is to be held later this month for a businessman who set up a string of companies across Norfolk and Suffolk. Peter Colby, who was born in Lowestoft and later lived in Wyndham, died on Sunday, January the 14th, at the Norfolk and Norwich University Hospital after a period of ill health. The memorial service will be held on Wednesday, February the 28th, at 11.30am in Wyndham Abbey, with a reception in a marquee in Mr Colby's garden opposite afterwards. The family is expecting approximately 350 people to attend. In the early 1970s, Mr Colby started buying and selling trucks and in 1974 set up Peter Colby Commercials. The company later moved to Wyndham and then Sproulston, where it continued to grow and thrive. The firm built its roots in haulage and vehicle hire through the twin companies of Norfolk Trucks and Collies Trucks and Trailer Rentals before gradually diversifying into property and other businesses. The company, now called St Vincent Holdings, employs 285 people across the UK, the majority in Norfolk and Suffolk. Ten years ago, Mr Colby campaigned to secure a third bridge crossing from Lowestoft. 
His unique barrage scheme, designed to alleviate congestion and bring business to the area, attracted a great deal of media attention and public support. He campaigned with Labour's parliamentary candidate for Waveney, Bob Blizzard, and drew up plans to build a £30 million tidal barrage and road crossing over Lake Lothing in a bid to improve Lowestoft's transport links and stimulate economic growth. Contentious cuts to go ahead despite council's cash boost. Council leaders have vowed to push ahead with plans which could cut funding for disabled people, even though they have been handed extra cash by the government. Norfolk County Council unveiled the proposal earlier this year. Since then, the authority has been given almost £9 million extra from local government secretary Michael Gove to go towards social care. Yet despite this, council leaders have said they will not abandon consultation over the deeply contentious savings. Under the plans, the Conservatives-controlled authority is proposing a reduction in the Minimum Income Guarantee, MIG, to save £1.2 million each year. The MIG is an amount of their income disabled people aged 18 to 64 can keep for everyday expenses after the cost of council-arranged home care is taken into account. Reducing it effectively means people will have to pay more for their care, with the council proposing to reduce the minimum income guarantee from £187 a week to £171.25 pence. Campaigners have said the measure, part of a wider £45 million package of savings, could push disabled people into debt. At a meeting of the Cross-Party Scrutiny Committee on Wednesday, Green Councillor Jamie Osborne asked Andrew Jameson, Cabinet Member for Finance, whether the extra government money meant the MIG-cut proposal would be scrapped. But Mr Jameson said the MIG would still be put out for consultation. He said, It's a very important we do seek the root views of people, which will help with our understanding over a whole range of issues. Labour Group leader Steve Morphew, chairman of the Scrutiny Committee, asked what the threshold would be before the impact on people would be deemed too much for the proposal to go ahead. Mr Jameson said he did not want to prejudice the consultation, but that his role was to ensure the council could make recurrent savings. He had previously said if any proposal of to the lower MIG did not go ahead, alternative savings would have to be found. The hardest secondary schools to get into in Norfolk named. The hardest secondary schools in Norfolk to get into have been revealed. A new analysis compares the number of total applicants at each one and the number of places offered to show which were the most oversubscribed in 2023. It identified Notre Dame High School in Norwich as the toughest to get into, with 30% of applicants not getting a place. It had 294 applicants, but only 208 places were offered. It was followed by Ormiston Venture Academy in Galston, where 27.5% of applicants did not receive a place. 
Wyndham College, Heatherset Academy and Downham Market Academy followed with 25%, 23% and 17% respectively. Of the 58 Norfolk secondary schools, 18 of them were oversubscribed. See our table below for all of the schools in the county and how they compare to each other. Notre Dame is notoriously difficult for children to get into. In 2022, the school said it was aware of the possibility some parents were getting their children baptised so that they had an increased chance of gaining entry to the Catholic school. Heatherset Academy had also been in the headlines over the difficulties many parents face in getting their children in. Parents in nearby Mulbarton have voiced frustrations about their children missing out on places at the school and instead being sent to the Hewitt in Norwich. Last year, around 40% of Year 6 leavers from Mulbarton Primary School failed in their efforts to go to Heatherset. Official Department for Education statistics show that students were offered their first choice places 82.6% of the time and their top three choices 94.1% of the time. For Norfolk secondary schools in 2023, 96.5% of applicants were given a place at a school of preference. A Norfolk County Council spokeswoman said, We have many good schools in our county where dedicated staff go above and beyond to help children reach their potential. Some of these schools are oversubscribed and some are particularly popular with parents and carers when they express their preferences. We make every effort to ensure students are given one of their preferences and for 2025, we have increased the number of preferences people can make from three to five. An editorial comment from the EDP expresses a belief that cash does still matter to many in modern society. The saying is that cash is king, but we live in a world where it increasingly feels as if those who prefer to pay in coins and notes are the exception. Increasing numbers of shops now display signs saying they do not accept cash, only cards or mobile phone payments. The same is true at parking meters, where the slots for coins have been replaced with card scanners. That's good for people who have cards and apps, a nice quick and convenient way to make purchases, but it's less welcome for others. It can be easy to forget in these times when we tend to see new technology as something which makes everybody's lives better that there are people who are excluded from the march of process. There are still people in this county who cannot obtain bank cards. For them, they can't just pop into a shop and flash the plastic. They rely on being able to pay with physical money. The same is true of some people with learning difficulties. For them, cash remains an important way to buy things. And while many older people have embraced a new technology, there are others who still prefer to make their transactions the traditional way. And that leads us to the loss of banks. Walk down any of Norfolk's high streets and in many of them branches will be noticeable by their absence. Again, online banking can be a convenient boon for many people. But for those, including people who run local shops, who would rather conduct their business face-to-face with a human being, their loss is deeply felt. 
It is good that this issue is being raised. The Bishop of Norwich highlighted the matter in the House of Lords with powerful words about the importance of banks in rural communities. And county councillors too have highlighted the harmful impact which can come from the drive to a cashless society without considering there will always be those who'd prefer an alternative. Now for sport. Staff from Windsor's Robert Kett Primary School have run the Marriott's Way Trail Half Marathon. A team of a dozen Robert Kett staff and teachers, many of whom admit they are not experienced runners, will tackle the course to raise money for the new class libraries. Deputy Head Teacher Janine Salter, who heads the fundraiser initiative with Year 3 and 4 phase leader Leanne Rees, said, We have always wanted a library at Robert Kett, but due to the relocation of classes across the school, we have been considering alternative spaces filled with amazing books. We thought individual class libraries was the next best thing, and so we have started raising money for those additional rich texts that will enhance our reading experience even more. We would like to thank everyone who supported us and donated money to the cause so far. Their team, I'd Rather Be Reading, ran or walked the half marathon on February the 11th. You can still support them by making a donation on Just Giving. Now for the community news. Wyndham Bridewell WI, if you are looking to make more friends, involve yourself in a variety of activities, darts, cinema, theatre, crafts, cookery, to name but a few, then please get in touch. We would love you to come along to one of our meetings to see what you think. Third Wednesday of every month, 7.20 at the Catholic Church Hall, Norwich Road, Wyndham, Barnum Broom and District WI. Several of our members enjoyed a trip to Waitrose in Wyndham this morning for a guided tour round the store and back of house, rounded off with a visit to the cafe. Our thanks to Jim for his time and knowledge showing us how the store ticks and thanks to Linda for organising the visit. Wyndham Abbey. We had a wonderful celebration of Candlemas in the Abbey, with 150 of us having a last look back at the crib before turning our sights to Lent. The candles burning at the crib were added to by those on the cake to celebrate Father Christmas's birthday, which coincided with the festival. Fortunately, not a candle for every year of his age, so the fire brigade wasn't needed. Attleborough Royal British Legion a few weeks ago, we said we had some plans to mark D-Day 80 this year. Well, together with Attleborough Funfest, we're pleased to announce that a week of events aimed at all generations of our community will culminate in a D-Day 80 family festival on the 9th of June. We'll be bringing you an action-packed day with historical information, memorabilia, traditional 1940s games, vehicles, fancy dress, food vendors, live music and much, much more. We'll keep you posted with more updates and with other events too. Attleborough Royal British Legion keeping memories alive through commemoration and education is always supporting our members, serving military, veterans and families. Seed Library 
there is a seed bank exchange at the Priory Gardens in Wyndham. This seed library was kindly donated to the Wyndham community by Craig Jenkins. In December 2023, Mayor and Deputy Mayor, Councillor Suzanne Newry-Nixon and Councillor Annette James, Wyndham Town Council, officially opened this, the first Wyndham Seed Exchange Library. This is the perfect time of year to sort out your seeds and share your surplus with our community. If you live near Spooner Row, they also have a seed exchange in their wonderful book swap library in front of their village hall. Wyndham Tribe Do you have any board card games which you'd like to donate for the new games night below? Any which are in good condition with all the pieces truly appreciated. They can be dropped off at the library. Many thanks for your fabulous support and would be great to see you there. Wyndham Community Outreach The following items are always in demand at this time of year. Tinned soup, tinned meat, tinned fish, pasta, pasta sauce, tinned vegetables, tinned fruit, tinned cream rice, microwave rice, cereal, biscuits, long-life milk, cat and dog food, wet and dry, laundry detergent pods, washing up liquid, toothpaste, toilet roll, shampoo, unisex deodorant. Items should be within their best before date and be in unopened and undamaged packs or tins. We are open to receive donations on Saturdays or Tuesdays, 10am to 1pm in the Abbey Hall Church Street. There is also a donation bin in the Church of Wyndham Abbey. Please help us continue to be a compassionate town. Abraham's Bar and Clubhouse at the Sports Centre in Hingham. We would like to make all members and customers aware that from the 1st of March we will be trialling a cashless bar system. As such, only card payments will be accepted from this date. We are advising this now to allow everyone plenty of time to adjust. On behalf of the Abraham's Committee, thank you all for your continued support. We appreciate all comments and opinions. As stated in a previous comment, part of the reason that Abrahams is looking towards a cashless system is that the committee are made up of volunteers who all work full-time, so being able to bank takings and collect change is becoming an issue. For all those who have commented that going cashless is a mistake, we would welcome you to become a member of Abrahams and join the committee to assist with banking, accounting and general running of the bar. The more the merrier. We begin the letters with this from Kevin Dack of Circlet Place, Attleborough. Tough choice at election. Further to the controversy generated by Mid-Norfolk MP George Freeman's comments concerning being unable to afford his mortgage on a ministerial salary of £120,000, it should be recalled that only late last year the EDP featured a full-page spread claiming that Mr Freeman is a far more committed constituency MP than fellow Norfolk MP Sir Brandon Lewis, who has been much criticised for seemingly having multiple jobs. 
The extensive Christmas constituency newsletter produced by George would tend to support that, as would two recent impassioned emails I have received from him about flooding in Attleboro and the postmaster's case. Hitherto, George Freeman has appeared to be a hugely committed constituency MP. Sir Keir Starman's comments at Prime Minister's Question Time must, however, be seen as entirely appropriate in context and Rishi Sunak's responses as completely inadequate. The challenges I face as a Mid-Norfolk constituent is how to vote in an election when Starmer is clearly the best option for PM, yet Labour is unlikely to put up a candidate for our constituency of the same calibre as George Freeman has demonstrated to date, at least leaving aside his comments on this issue. Our next letter comes from Ian Robinson of High Green Great Melton, who believes that it's rural drivers that suffer. In my parish, some of the road surfaces are in an appalling condition. Roads that frequently flood from field, run off, or blocked culverts are rutted and potholed, with the hasty and cheap patching often lasting only until the next major storm. Those lanes are dangerous, not only to tyres but to human life, as drivers veer onto the wrong side of the road to avoid them leading to unpredictable and risky driving. It is disappointing, then, that Norfolk County Council only spent £1.9 million patching the crumbling 6,000-mile network of rural roads in 2023, compared to Suffolk, who spent close to £10 million. Compare that also to the more than £40 million that Norfolk County Council have already spent on surveying and planning less than four miles of tarmac for the Norwich Western Link and to the many hundreds of millions they intend to spend. That hardly feels like a fair deal for the rest of Norfolk. I I guess that rural county Norfolk will have to continue to suffer rutted wheel-breaking lanes while county councillors pay for their city infrastructure fantasies without taxes. Brian Murphitt is concerned with the standard of driving. Tougher sentence needed. So, yet another lunatic driver, Kieran Ford from Attleborough, is given a pathetic sentence by the Norwich Crown Court for an appalling piece of deliberate driving. Driving through red lights, speeds of up to 100 miles per hour in a 30 mile per hour zone, going the wrong way down a one-way street, dangerous overtaking, and after all that, what does he get for it? A suspended prison sentence. What is wrong with the judge? He should have been locked up, the keys thrown away, and his car confiscated and sold. No wonder this country is going to rack and ruin. We conclude the letters with this from Jacqueline Orsop. Don't forget those who are not online. Again, I'm reading about a cashless society. It seems like little or no thought has been paid to those who cannot cope with a world hurtling towards the likes of AI and digital services with breakneck speed. This includes the elderly, the disabled and those that are happy clinging to the familiar, especially those with dementia. I know several who have no internet services and are happy without them. They pay by cash or cheque and don't use plastic cards or online banking. 
While some may be happy to push their world into superfiber and the like, there will always be those who will struggle to cope with the pace of change. Next year, we'll see the demise of the landline, another forced change that will affect millions. I have signed a petition from Silverline to save them, as internet services, satellite TV, and personal alarms are all connected to them. They are an integral part of many lives. It's about time the authorities took notice of those other than the online generation. A beetle drive is being held on Saturday, the seventeenth of February, at six thirty p.m. in Greylicks Hall, Deepham. Adults three pounds. Primary school children one pound. There will be tombola donations welcomed in aid of the Deepham Play Park project. Poppy's Cafe, Wyndham. Friends of Poppy's first meeting was a great success. Thank you to all those who attended. Our next meeting is Thursday, the twenty-second of February, at eleven a.m. Come and join us for a fun-packed morning of mindfulness and zentangling. The circus is coming to Hingham, Thursday, the twenty-second of February. One show only at three p.m. Tickets nine pounds fifty. To book, telephone o seven seven five two two one eight. Eight o five. I'll repeat that. O seven seven five two two one eight eight o five. Star Throwers Breast Cancer Support Group. Wednesday, the twenty eighth of February, from two p.m. to four p.m. at the Star Throwers Centre, Melton Road, Wyndham. A friendly, safe, and supportive group for anyone who has received a breast cancer diagnosis. To register. Telephone o one nine five three four two three three o four. I'll repeat that. O one nine five three four two three three o four, or email info at starthrowers dot org dot uk. Heatherset. The Friends of Heatherset Library will be holding its next presentation on Thursday, twenty-second of February, when village stalwart Mel Perkins will be presenting an illustrated talk entitled "Trains, Aches and Pains." Mel will talk about local trains, Heatherset railway station, and his memories of growing up in the village. This is a free event, and light refreshments will be provided at the end of the presentation. The talk will begin at six thirty p.m. Home from home, at Wyndham Baptist Church, Queen Street, Wyndham, is a space to come and meet others for social interaction. It's held on the second and fourth Thursdays of every month, from one thirty to four thirty p.m. And the next meeting is on the twenty ninth of February. There are newspapers, board games, puzzles, and craft, as people as well as people to chat with in a friendly environment. And free refreshments are provided. All Saints Church, Hethel, on Sunday the twenty fifth of February, from two thirty to four thirty p.m. Afternoon tea with Mulbarton Community Choir. We will be forming some of our wide and growing range of sh- songs, accompanied by 
the inimitable Laurie Bennett. What could be better on a chilly February Sunday afternoon in the concert with a spacious interval featuring tea, coffee or chocolate and as much homemade cake as you can eat? You'll do some good as well because you will add to the fund started to repair the timber work in the church tower and bring the bell back into operation. Tickets are £8 or half price for children, but there's also an option to pay what you can afford on the door or be extra generous and pay a bit over the odds. All tickets are available at buytickets.at forward slash all saints church hethel forward slash one one two one two seven eight Wyndham Abbey presents Coffee Time Organ Recital. Tim Patient, Director of Music at the Church of St. Peter and St. Paul in I, 11am on Saturday 24th of February 2024. Coffee served from 10.30. The music starts at 11. Free admission. Donations please to Abbey Funds. Charity stalls in aid of Ugandan orphans and families are being held on Saturday the 24th of February at St Mary's Church Hall, Attleborough from 10 to 11.30am. There will be coffee, tea, cakes, books, CDs, DVDs, tombola, bric-a-brac, raffle and African products. Admission is free. For more information, telephone Sylvia Webster on... 01953 529781 and that phone number again 01953 529781 and finally some more dad jokes did you hear the rumour about butter well I'm not going to spread it what did one eye say to the other eye Between you and me, something smells. I ordered a chicken and an egg from Amazon. I'll let you know which comes first. We're coming to the end of this edition of Your Talking Newspaper. If you have any comments to make about this edition or queries about the service, or if you are having trouble returning wallets, please contact Georgette on 0 one nine five three six zero five four three four. I'll repeat that zero one nine five three six zero five four three four. You can also contact us and listen to news at www.watn.org.uk. A reminder that an interview with the editor of the Heatherset Herald, Peter Stewart, follows this announcement. When you have finished listening, remove the memory stick from the machine and rotate it back into its protective cover. Place the memory stick and its key fob inside the wallet, together with the address label, and return them to us. Very best wishes from all of us at the Talking Newspaper. Please stay safe and keep well. The next edition will be recorded in two weeks' time on 1st of March. So until then, goodbye from all of us. Goodbye. Goodbye.
Hello, I'm Anne, and today I'm interviewing Peter Stewart, who is the creator, editor and owner of the Heatherset Herald. So, Peter, you started the Herald quite a while ago. I started the Herald in November 2015, if I remember rightly, yes, and yeah. that's 99 editions ago. Right, and what was the spur? Why did you create it? Uh, that's a good question. I'd always wanted to do one and I actually tried to uh, start one a few years before but uh, because I was working full time I really didn't have the time to put into it. So I wanted to start one but I wanted to make sure that once I started it that I could sustain it into the future uh, which is, is the case but it started off as a eight page and now it's somewhere around 80 to 90 pages a, an edition. My goodness and how often do you does it come out? It comes out once a month, uh, usually on the last day of the month or the first day of the next month, uh, so monthly basically. And it's um, something that you can buy in Heatherset or how does that work? No, it's exclusively online and the reason it's exclusively online is um, because there's no cost to that. Um, I can put it together um, free of charge, uh, available for people. Um, once you do a written publication, a printed publication, you're into um, development costs and printing costs and delivery costs, and we don't have a budget, so uh, basically we do it that way. So it's free to anybody who wants to read it? It's free online, yep. Um, we have people subscribe by email and I send them uh, a copy when it comes out. Otherwise, it's available off uh, of a village website that I do at www heathersetherald.weebly.com www.heathersetherald, all one word, dot weebly, which is w-e-e-b-l-y dot com. Right. Now, what's in this Herald? Sure. It's, um, it's a mixture. It's articles, it's news, it's features, it's photographs, anything from Heatherset that we know about, that we find out about. We have people who contribute regularly. We have uh, a friend of mine called John Head who regularly writes a column and sends photographs in. We have the former uh, chairman of the can our parish council here, Sarah Lawrence, who writes a regular column called Sarah's World. And we have other regular contributors. Um, it's everything, uh, anything to do with Heatherset. We just have two criteria. Simply is it has to be about the village or it has to be written by somebody in the village and it can be on any other subject. We've had gardening columns and uh, various other things. And does it just cover local news or does it go more broadly than that? It just covers local news to Heatherset. Occasionally uh, I veer into Wyndham. Um, if I'm asked to put something in for Wyndham, I'm happy to do that. Um, got a close uh, contact with the Wyndham magazine and they cover some of our Heatherset stuff, we cover some of the Wyndham stuff and it it works well. So I'm very passionate about local news and I think we're losing local news, whether it be in the local newspapers or on the local television or on local radio. We seem to have lost the um, localism. So I try to bring that back by making the Heatherset Herald exclusively about Heatherset. So it comes down even to a road level, obviously, uh, featuring people uh, from the village. Um, my thoughts are if you take Look East for example on the BBC, used to be uh, all about Norfolk and Suffolk but now we're told over to you for your for the news from where you are. 
and we get news from Northamptonshire and Essex uh, and various other places, Milton Keynes, Wellingborough, that kind of thing. That's not news from where I am. So what we try and do with the Heatherset Herald is we try and make it about Heatherset, for Heatherset people. We also have readers in Australia and America who have connections with the village who like to catch up with what's going on where they once lived or where they've got relatives. That's wonderful. And you're just about to produce your 100th edition. We are. I never never thought I'd get to 100, but I never thought about it, actually. When I started number one, I had no idea how long it would go. But yes, we've done 99, and the 100th is very near completion. Right. And will there be a 200th, do you think? Oh, my goodness me. I'll be very old by then. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one of the problems is how we sustain it in the future. Um we have a young, uh, a very young person, uh, Sophie, who's helping me at the moment and writing stuff, but she's off to journalism college, which is why she's helping out to get a hand in there. So uh, there is nobody essentially to take over from me. So we'll just have to look at that and cross that bridge when it comes to it. I'd love to be able to do 200. Um, that would be the aim. There is no aim to uh, stop it. So we just carry on and carry on and carry on until people are utterly fed up with it. So you obviously enjoy your work. I love it. It gets frustrating at times and uh, it can be a little bit stressful, which is a strange thing to say for something that's voluntary. But sometimes the deadlines approach and there's still lots to do. I've still got lots to do on the 100th edition as we speak, um, but we always come out on time. Um, one of the problems is if I go away or on holiday or I've got things to do, other things to do, um, I can leave it and it can become, a, as I say, a little bit stressful. But overall, yeah, I love it. It's it's going back to my journalism roots. And how long, well, you perhaps can't answer this, but how long roughly would you spend in a month focusing on it? Oh, that's a very good question. Um, some days I could spend seven or eight hours on it. I would say it approaches a full-time job, um, although I wouldn't say that I do 30 to 40 hours a week, but probably it runs into 100 hours over the over the um, the month. Right, that's a huge amount because <laughs> my next question was, would you recommend other people start something similar in their own areas? If they're obsessive, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I would. It, as I say, we've lost the localism in um, news and I don't see it coming back. There are a number of magazines in Norfolk. I think there's one in Wells. There's certainly one um, out at Faunset in South Norfolk. There's the Wyndham one, there's uh, mine, and there's quite a few others. And it is actually bringing the local news to local people and exactly what you're doing with the um, talking newspaper, bringing the local news to local people um, as opposed to news from a hundred miles away. Mm. So how would you go about it if you want somebody wanted to start such a thing? Oh, blimey, that's an even better question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> how would I start it? Well, I, how did you start it? How did I start it? Well, I've got a background in journalism and I also love designing. Um, I was formerly a sub-editor on local newspapers, so I love designing pages. I love um, playing around with photographs and what we call copy. I would say if anybody wants to do it, just two things. Go ahead and do it. Find out how to do it, uh, whether they want, decide whether they want it published or whether they want it online. 
but above all make sure that they can sustain it over months and years it's no good launching a, a magazine and it folds after two or three copies mm, right yeah. so i mean they could be quite modest though two or three pages to start with i think that's probably a good idea maybe i'll uh, just do two or three pages and we got up 250 pages once but um Ironically, the only complaints I've ever had about the publication is it's too long. So, yes, you need to uh, decide how many pages you're going to do and stick to that. Of course, if it's a a written publication, you're going to be uh, kept to four pages or eight pages, 12 pages, 16 pages. But the thing about doing one online is it can run to any number of pages. Um, and what what I do now is I just let it run to home to fill with how much stuff I've got, and that could be fifty, sixty pages, or it could be a hundred pages. Right. Okay. Supposing, uh, as I say, someone wanted to start a magazine, how would they find out how to distribute it, even if it was online? I mean, how did you get your readers in the first place? Social media and uh, word of mouth was how we got the readers. Um, I write a daily blog as well, um, and that brought in a lot of people, but just posters around the village, word of mouth, talking to groups. Um, I, every time I go and talk to a group on the various subjects that uh, I get asked to talk about, I give a plug to the uh, magazine and just really just making people aware that it exists. Um, if you've got a published edition, of course, uh, it's much easier because you get distributed and put through letterboxes or made available. But um, I've looked into that, but the cost is prohibitive and I feel I spend enough time on it as it is. Yes. As you're probably aware, quite a few of our listeners are partially sighted. Yeah. Do you think there's any mileage on doing uh, an oral newspaper um, such as this? Well, it's funny you should say that because that's something we're looking into. Um, Sophie, who I uh, mentioned before, is actually going to produce a podcast um, for our 100th edition. And I think she's looking into um, actually reading or making of some of the stories available um, as a podcast. And also it gives me great uh, joy when people take information. We give the EDP... um, uh, permission to take anything that, that I write and of course uh, yourselves um, very often pick something that we've written and that's that's delightful I love it when that happens I think it's uh, that actually people wanting to reproduce what we do is a huge um, flattery to us if you would like to submit an article to the Heather Set Herald or if you're thinking you'd like to set up your own magazine um, Please feel free to contact Peter on 01603 811052. That's 01603 811052. Or better still, email him at Peter Steward, all one word, at sky.com. That's Peter Steward, all one word, lowercase, at sky.com. And finally, very many congratulations on your 100th edition.